Hello and welcome to Tape Notes, the podcast that looks behind the scenes at the magic of recording and producing music. Every episode we'll be reuniting an artist and producer and talking through some of the highlights from their collaboration in the studio. So join us as we lift the lid on the creative process and the inner workings of music production to see what lies beneath. Hello, I'm John Kennedy, and joining me for this episode of Tape Notes is Maisie Peters and producer Joe Rubel to talk about how they wrote, recorded and produced the album You Signed Up For This. Maisie Peters is a singer-songwriter from West Sussex, England. A natural storyteller, Maisie first dabbled in songwriting for a school music project, drawing on the sounds and styles of some of her favourite artists, including Taylor Swift, Girls Aloud and Lily Allen. In 2015, while regularly busking on the streets of Brighton, she began posting her songs on YouTube and quickly built a widespread fan base. Two years later, she released her first two singles, Place We Were Made and Birthday. Maisie's way with words combined with her elegant folk pop style saw the songs go viral, ultimately resulting in her signing to Atlantic Records. Her debut EP arrived in 2018 and was followed by a second in 2019, seeing an evolution to a more pop-focused sound. While releasing a stream of singles, she continued writing sessions across London, LA and Nashville and created the soundtrack to the Apple TV series Trying. In June 2021, Maisie signed to Ed Sheeran's Gingerbread Man Records ahead of the release of her debut album. Working with a host of world-renowned producers and songwriters including Fred again, Johnny McDade, Joe Rubel, Rob Milton and Ed Sheeran among several others, You Signed Up For This was released in August 2021, reaching the number two spot on the UK album charts and it sees Maisie use her whip-smart wit to transform everyday experiences into vividly written songs with intricate production to match. Joe Rubel is a Grammy award-winning producer, writer and engineer returning for his second outing with Tape Notes. Joe's path into the world of music began while studying music and sound recording at the University of Surrey, during which he took on work at Phoenix Sound in Pinewood Studios. Having sharpened his teeth at Phoenix, recording anything from rock and jazz to 40-piece string sections, as well as his own music projects, Joe rapidly built himself a reputation as a versatile engineer, which led to him being recruited to work on Ed Sheeran's 2017 global hit album, Divide. Alongside his skills as an engineer, Joe has built a successful career as a songwriter and producer, contributing his talents to a range of projects from Ed's 2019 album Number 6 Collaborations Project to records with Ward Thomas, Dodie, Passenger and Tom Grennan. A regular collaborator with Maisie, the pair have worked together on EPs, soundtracks and now Maisie's debut album. Today, I'm at Pixel Studios in Tile Yard, North London, to join Maisie and Joe. And what better way to start our conversation than by hearing something from the record? This is John Hughes' movie. This wasn't how it's supposed to go. I should be the one you're dancing with, spinning with a vodka coke. Everybody at my fingertips, I was gonna get my code. And baby, you were meant to follow me. And I was gonna act surprised Even though I'd know you wanted me It's not like I've been crying, no There's just smoke in my eyes Cause this ain't no
It is John Hughes' movie. It is Maisie Peters from the album. You signed up for this. And I'm very pleased to say that Maisie Peters is on my left. Hello, Maisie. <laughs> Hello. And Joe Rubel is on my right. Hello. And we are here at Pixel Studios, um, Joe's base. And I was here before for Tape Notes when we talked to Joe and Dodie. And as we finished that off, Maisie Peters arrived. I did. I showed up. And that up. was nice. So that was kind of the last time we were here. We bumped into each other. And then, Joe, you were just telling me that that day you then went on to finish the song. Yeah. We uh, we finished a song called Girls House that day, which was in contention for the record. It was. It was one of those, I write a lot of songs anyway, and that was, I remember coming in the day before, um, and I think it was pretty close to the album deadline, and I was like, okay, Joe, we need to write um, a big hit song, <laughs> is what I said. This is what you say every single day. It was what I say every single day. But uh, we had loads of other like ideas, and we still need to do them all. There's like, a lot of good ones. I like Boys and Their Fathers. Anyway, that's like a funny story if it ever comes out. But, yeah, I was like, no, no fucking around with, like, little acoustic, you know, like, five-minute um, folk songs. I was like, none of that. We're doing a banger. So then we did Girls' House, and I put some of it on TikTok that night or that morning, following morning. Uh, and then it, like, kind of blew up. And then I came in, and the next day, and you guys were filming with Dodie, which is also fun because I've been, like, friends with Dodie and a fan of her since I was, like, 15. We both started out on YouTube, both had YouTube channels, and she was, like the queen of that scene and community and I was sort of just starting out but we became friends and I actually supported her with Orla Gartland it was me on first then it was Orla and then it was Dodie at the Serial Killer Cafe in Camden to probably like 60 people which is cool now because Dodie's album came out this year Orla's is coming out in the week before mine and mine's coming out and they're all so good and so talented and I think that would have been a fun gig to see, to look back on. That would have been amazing. And people are going to be claiming in years to come, oh, yeah, I was at that gig. I was at the Serial yeah, Killer I, Cafe. I saw all three of them that night. It was amazing. But previously, I mean, I first met you, Maisie, in 2017 when you came on Exposure on, on Radio X. And that was when you were doing acoustic singer-songwriter things as you were just dismissively referring to them at the time. But, I mean, that you know, such a, a long time ago and so much has happened. Um, in terms of your musical development mm. and also what you've put out there. And and now you have this record with Joe, which is just so big, I think. Thank you so it's much. It's such a big sound that you've created together and such um, kind of instant sing-alongs. I mean, every single song has a few different moments where I'm just envisaging tons of people just singing along. They can't help themselves. You know, Thank you. Uh, they'll be drawn into it. And we're going to see how you created that today, which is very exciting. And um, we've... I mentioned the title of the album, and the album is called You Signed Up For This, and that is the first song we're going to look at. Correct. And it's also the opening track on the record. So could we hear the master? Of course. And, and then we'll be able to see just how you got to that place Absolutely. afterwards. I am 20 and probably upset right now. I still haven't got my driver's license and I... I'm sorry to make it about myself again But you, you signed up for this You, you signed up for this You, you signed up for this Shout if you want my heart It is an open invitation Shout if the line's gone dark Oh, if I've called you from
It is you signed up for this, the opening track and the title track of the album from Maisie Peters. And um, so where does it all begin? So in summer of 2020, I think it was like July, I went to Suffolk for about a month to like sort of officially start this album. And there was a couple songs that we already had for it, but this was sort of the beginning. Um, so I went for a month and at the end, uh, for the last week, I went to a studio called Decoy. Uh, which is run by a guy called Chenzo Townsend, who's a mixer and a wonderful man. And yeah, we were there for a week. And on the last day, we'd been talking about albums because we knew we were making this one. And I remember us talking about what we were going to open the album with, what I was going to open the album with. And I knew I didn't have one and I knew I wanted to write one because I think I sort of, I see, I saw this album, like the structure of it being like a book. And I was like, I think you need to intentionally begin it. It needs to feel like a beginning because it's, it's my first album and it's the first song of my first album. So I was like, it needs an intentional beginning and we don't have one. And if I can't immediately think of one, it means I don't have one. So we were like, okay, let's write one. And I remember I was really tired and we'd, I'd basically been writing for a month. And I remember being like, oh, I kind of don't want to. And then I was like, no, focus, let's do it. So Joe had ages ago like months before in lockdown you'd sent me this like synth part yeah the opening synth was mm -hmm. uh like i just had an idea we were going back and forth during lockdown just sending stuff to each other and i'd sent you that opening riff basically the doo -doo in a different key so like, that's quite nice isn't it and that's all i had i think i had the bass line that went came yeah in you had the bass line and then there was a kick that comes in and then that was it, it was about 30 seconds and i was like oh i like that and then when we were in suffolk when we first got to decoy we were meant to be having a day off but I'm, I'm not big on days off. So I just made Joe go to the studio with me, but then we were just listening to it. And I remember being like, oh, that's quite good. In fact, I know I said I didn't have anything on my phone, but now I've just remembered I do. Um, you say some things while I find okay, it. sure. <laughs> Wait, do you, know, oh, do you know what date we started the song? So the date that I sent May's the thing was the 18th of May. That's, when you sent me the synth? That. Yeah. Okay, cool. Okay, well, I've just found, I saved it on the 2nd of August. 2020, I saved it as album intro. I don't know what this is. I'm just... Yeah, that's actually such a mood. <laughs> such a mood. <laughs> and then, wait, there's another one. There's another one, second of all, it says intro idea. I'm just singing like gibberish, I think. Gibberish. Say something. 
does. And then I would stop. <laughs> and then that would stop. <laughs> that would stop. Good, well done, Maisie. Um, so that was like a week before we did the song. That was just us like messing around. It? Yeah. Because oh, it was when we first got there. Yeah, yeah. And then we did other songs for a week. Mm-hmm. And then on the last day, we went in the studio and we listened to other people's opening album songs. And we got what that track would have been, yes. like what was on that voice note. And then I remember sitting there and being like, I think I write similarly to what you've just heard. Like I sort of sing random words and I don't really come in with a plan. Like I came in with a plan to write an introduction to the album, but I didn't know what I was going to say. And I tend to just sort of sing around things until I land on something. But I remember like really quickly writing the first verse, like all it's just one train of thought. And then I was like, Joe, this is funny. I was like, I'm 20. I'm probably upset right now. And I still haven't got my driver's license, which I now have got, by the way. Yeah, Um, And you're not 20 anymore. And I'm not 20, I'm 21. And I have got my driver's license. Thank God for that. But at the time I didn't. And it was a the bane of my life. Um, And I still haven't got my driver's license. And I'm sorry to make it about myself again, but you signed up for this. It was just all this one thing. And then I remember being like, oh, it's funny. Like it's a joke. And then Joe was like, oh, I think it's quite good. And I was like, okay. Yeah. And we wanted to sort of what is now the outro, the woe bit, was not the chorus, which we changed afterwards. That was actually someone from Maze's label sort of suggested that we do that. But it was basically like kind of formless. There was no structure to it. Like you open with a verse, then that doesn't really come back in again until the end of it. And then there was a woe bit that kind of came back as an outro as well. And then there was a, an actual chorus about three minutes in. But we were like, who cares? We don't need to do like a verse chorus structure. We'll just do what we want. When We actually fixed it. So it's more of a verse chorus structure yeah. now. But yeah, the whole thing was like, the original version of it was, it would start with that synth thing, then go into a more folky acoustic thing, which you can still kind of hear in the final version, but we dressed it up a bit more with more sort of production around it. But it was supposed to sort of marry the two sides of Maze's record, like the folkier beginnings. Yeah, yeah, the so kind of folky acoustic, acoustic folk stuff, which is still really present in this record, I'd say. It's like a pretty even split. Yeah. And then, yeah, some of the more like pop yeah, sort of bigger moments to it. It's interesting hearing that thing from your phone because you, know, you can hear how you could go down that avenue and, and stay rooted mm. to that or you could do it in a different way. You no, know, Or you could even hear a much folkier version mm. of that song or the essence of that song, you know, where you know, just because of that pulse that was there on, mm. on the version that you were singing along to on the phone, you know, that could almost be like a Irish folk drum or, no, or something like sure. that and you could end yeah. up doing a... I remember the... Um, the Mm. was really like quite folky we yeah, thought yeah. at the time and we it's were like, like oh is that line. too far yeah it is yeah. but yeah it was interesting I literally forgot that I had that I just remembered doing it in that yeah. little room and decoy but that's really funny I, and loads of it didn't realise was there yeah. like all of those mel- like most of the I all yeah, sang yeah, all of those melodies various. in like that minute and a half voice note yeah that's pretty amazing yeah. as well and, you know, because all those melodies are off the top of your head just reacting to what you had yeah you know, and yet creating so many options for you musically yeah yeah, so we started it at Decoy, mm-hmm. and then that was the final night we were there. I remember I did some, oh. I played some guitars. I've got we some more a, things I've just remembered. Keep. There's, a, there's a, <laughs> an engineer at Decoy called Rob, who's an absolute sweetheart, and he um, basically we were there until like one in the morning just kind of tracking stuff, and then I went off to make some food for everyone, and then Maisie played some piano. And then it just kind of existed in that way for a bit, and then... In February this year, we were doing this soundtrack for this TV show called Trying that we did, and we were in Livingston Studios, and that's when we picked it back up again. We did some drums there, or I played some drums. I'm not a drummer, but I hit some things, and my engineer, Matt, picked it all up, and then Maze played some more piano. Sorry, do you want well? Yeah, go for it. Here's a video of me playing piano for this song, and this is, I've always been, 
it's cute actually. Joe was saying this the other day. Like when I first started working with Joe, I hated playing instruments on my own songs. Yeah, I thought I was really bad. Like I would do it, but I would hate it. And I'd hate playing guitar on my own songs. I never would play anything because I just I think I just thought I wasn't good enough. And then on this song, I did. I don't know if I did guitar actually, which is ironic. But I did play the piano for it. But I'm not very good. But I was just. This is at ten o five. And you can see I'm concentrating so hard. So this is interesting to watch because you won't be able to hear it, but Maisie's listening to the music through her headphones in the film and then bashing away at this piano. I'm like really bashing. Piano on that? Yes, you did. Um, Twice. What's this? Oh, 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 oh. You signed up for these. There you go. Sick. Six, six, six. Oh. I just did what? I just did. Sweet, 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 Different song, different song. But this is the thing. So we were doing doing everything at the same time. Yes. And here on the same day, apparently, as I did, you sign up for this. I also did a self tape for Pinocchio, the motion picture. So there's that. Hi, I'm Maisie Peters. I'm five foot one. I'm from London, the UK. <laughs> there you go. So that was what I did that day. <laughs> so it was, it was all going I went on. To a christening. You went to a christening, yeah. and we did you sign up for this. Mm-hmm. Busy times. This is busy day. Busy huge day for the but, parish. <laughs> <laughs> but it also shows how recent. Some of this stuff was so okay. You know, Suffolk was last year, mm. but then yeah, you no, know, much more recently, you mm. were finishing it all off. You know, so it's, yes. I mean, you're, you're lucky, I think, in some ways, Maisie. You know that you've been able to continue working on this record and getting it out quite soon mm. after this, because so many artists have been caught up in delays because know, of definitely. you know getting their work done and then yeah. not being able to release it uh, during the last year. But and um, we're actually getting Maisie Peters pretty much fresh. You now, are relatively as it's been created. Yeah, I think this song was. All of the lyrics of the song was written on the same day. Yes. And it was reshuffled around later. And then we did some more piano and we were doing um, Funeral of James Bay for my soundtrack. In the last like hour, I think I did some more piano. Yeah. And I tried to get you to play drums on it. Yeah, it didn't you work very well. It. Can't keep time. And what, when you were saying like it's cool that it's coming out in the same sort of time space, I think especially with the song because... In like the second verse, I go, scared of everything, but I'm making it punk. A small town, I only drink to get drunk. Don't go out much because there's too many bugs and I'm way too obsessed with death to do any drugs. And I think that like a lot of this song was done, it was summer, but it was like, it was like a bit of a pandemic like lilt. But then, you know, that October, September came and it was like wham back in. And I think that's kind of, even just that line of, I didn't go out much because there's too many bugs. I thought it's kind of funny listening back and be like, oh, it's really... In this moment. And then I say, six girls on Alphabet Road, five one, do you think that I'll grow anymore? And that was like a few weeks before I moved in London and I was moving in with five girls that I didn't know into when was this coming out? In September? Yes. Okay, I will no longer live here. Um I was I moved to a place called Alphabet Square and so I changed the name in case I still lived there. It was to Alphabet Road. But yeah, so like I moved in with these five girls and I guess it was all very real time, that song. Yeah. Ellen's on it. Ellen, my sister's on it, and I go 
Six cars on Alphabet Road, five, one. Do you think that I'll grow anymore? No, that's, that's probably, probably it. it. I guess Ellen was right. Yeah, she usually is. And that's my twin sister. So then I got Ellen. Uh, we called her. Uh, she doesn't do music at all. She's at university. And I was like, Ellen, you need to say no down the phone. Yeah. You need to send me no. She's so funny because she's very like confident and bolshy and truly very hilarious but I asked her to do this very simple just like just say no and she was like oh, okay and then she like sent us loads of options do you remember and she yeah, was like I don't know if this is right but like I hope it knows. is yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then I was like Ellen it's great you really performed so she's on it as well so is that her no then it's her no mm-hmm. yeah do you want to hear it yeah yeah I think we should hear all those different elements Ellen in, in her time in the sun yeah she'll love this here's Ellen no oh no that no some of that's, that's me oh but... no that is all you here's Ellen no <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Pretty she is. good, though. Yeah, it's yeah. good. She re- did really well. Yeah, she smashed it. Excellent. So, I mean, I, I, I want to hear some of the music that you okay, created. Okay, sure. Well, that opening synth is, I don't actually have the original version because, like I said, we pitched it down, but I think it was the Arterio Prophet. So, yeah, you have that guy. And then there's a Juno that comes in. I think this is the sort of slidey bass. This guy. I love the slidey bass. And then on top of that, you've got, I don't know what this is. This says intro weird loop. I mean, it always interests me that, you know, something as simple as that original synth part is the impetus for the rest of all this, you know? Yeah. I just thought it sounded like, I don't know, it doesn't resolve until maybe says you signed up for this. It kind of like hangs in the balance of it. I know it's, there's mm-hmm. only like three chords in it, but like it doesn't, and then when it gets down to that one, you're like, oh, okay, that's like the beginning of something. Mm-hmm. And that's when the kick comes in. And I just had this idea of like pulling everything together mm-hmm. in that way. And then, yeah, like I said, and then we, we had this sort of folky version of it. Which is just me playing that riff on the acoustic. So originally it was just that amazing vocal, which was really nice, but it wasn't like the vibe. And then we sort of like, I added, yeah, loads more synthy bits. Like all this stuff's going over the top of it. kind of mental for amazing what, when is this in, this in the first verse. verse yeah yeah no <laughs> when then, is it and then that's the first chorus there basically there used to be nothing on it and then we sort of the verse two was when it went a bit more mental I do remember that yeah. but we did a lot of that a lot of those noises were when we were both playing the Juno so Maze would play the notes and I would sort of mess with the parameters as we were going I was running it through that uh, Benson that was making a load of noise just now that Maze just had to turn off but yes. um, and then what else well, I was going to say go his free promotion for Atlantic Records I think that, you know, record labels and A&Rs can get, from everybody, can get, you know, a bad rep sometimes for the record-making process. But in this song, it used to only have the bit that goes, the chorus of the song, which is, please don't give up on me yet. used to be like a middle eight, essentially, a bridge, and it came in like two and a half minutes into the song. And then before, I don't know if you can find a version of this, but it used to be... Um, that sort of first verse where it says, Shout if the yeah, I, I have it. Oh, it's my narration. And then it would just go, Oh, 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 oh. Which I think me and Joe both thought was like really cool and like she's, we're like holding back it. the chorus. Yeah, go for it. Shout if you want my heart. It is so this is the original. Yeah, yeah, so this is what the that verse used to sound like. And we were like, Oh, it's going to hold back. Like it feels and there's more to build from. More synth than in it, but I remember. Shout if we grew apart, actually don't. It's a session. Oh, yeah, with like 
electric bass instead of sort of synthy stuff. So we used to do this, and I was like, yes, this is what it's going to be. This is it. I thought it was very Coldplay. And then I sent it as a demo, and one of my ARs called Bryony, she's going to love this so much. She was like, I don't know why you've done that. Like, I think that the chorus is that, please don't give up on me yet, and that should come earlier. And I was like, when you, you know, whenever you first hear something like that, you're like, no, you're wrong. Like, da, 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 da. And then we tried it. And then I was like, oh, that's, that's better, isn't it? It's, it's so much better. And it feels like that's actually like the heart of the song. Also, even just listening to that, because that chorus, the chord it hits, the please don't, mm-hmm. it's not like a one. No. I don't really know not. music theory, but it's not a one like that is. No. So it keeps it like up. It and then when you hit the that verse, they're scared of everything, well. is like, feels like a landing. Yeah. But yeah, so that is... A great tale of how um, world record labels and listening to critique sounds like the wrong word, but listening to others' opinions is important and still like an important process of making a record. And just because you do that doesn't mean it's you've compromised. Yeah, you've compromised. It's it's working with people. The song is much better. Yeah, hundred percent. Rather than pickaddedly not listening because it's a record label. Yeah, that's really interesting because it's difficult for both parties. It's difficult for you to receive that advice or criticism or suggestion. It's probably difficult for them to say it because obviously they have respect for your artistry and your work. And, you know, probably took Bryony some gumption to be able to say, hang on a minute, I I possibly think, I don't know whether she couched it in very polite terms or I don't know what she's like. (laughs) We're a very open team. Right. (laughs) (laughs) So... And it was quite upfront, but I'm quite upfront, and I'm actually, I think, as an artist, I'm pretty good at like actually working quite collaboratively with people, and I do listen, and I think that's why I think it really benefits my music. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so then that became early, and that was so much better. And I think even the lyric of that chorus when we were doing it was very much. I was sort of, I always remember there's like a Bruce Springsteen quote that's now been like retold by Jack Antonoff and talking about how. This universe should be very personal and your choruses should be very universal. And I think that was definitely what I was trying to do with that chorus. Like, again, I don't know if I was, I didn't know even hugely what I was speaking about. It just felt like a truth. Mm-hmm. It felt like something that was true and like a statement that I really liked having in the first song of the album. Like, please don't give up on me yet. I know I'll get better. I'm just not better yet. It's like you're starting an album with that and you're saying like, keep, like, just stay here. Yeah, it's only track one. There's yeah. a load more. It's only no. track one. Like, it'll get better. The songs will get better. Um, <laughs> wow. Which is what, re- what, what a, a savagery. Re- no, this is the best song. A ring um, endorsement. But yes. No, it, it's kind of, yeah. I mean, it's funny, isn't it? Because it obviously the songs are all great, you know. And, and But anybody who signed up for this, as, as like, they they press play, mm. you know, they're already interested, I think. And But we got to hear how you made that change then. So, yes. I mean, were you able to just switch things around yeah, and just, try it out that way? Yeah, re- yeah. Well, we were in the process of re-singing reproducing it. it, re-singing it at that point. So it was just like, they're different chords, but I was replaying everything anyway mm. because it wasn't this acoustic-y. I think I replayed the chords to it in Livingston. That's what I was yeah. doing. That's oh, why we did it. Oh, yeah. Because we changed the key. That so then I, I must have well. replayed it in Livingston, which is a studio in Woodgreen, yeah. um, which is where I was at. We recorded a funeral that day. Yeah, here we go. Here's Maze's piano for the new chorus. And there's some other lower piano that I programmed. Mm-hmm. 
love that. Dun, 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 dun. Little Juno. Yeah, because originally it was going to be, yeah, that first verse was going to be really small. And then halfway through that first, co- what was the chorus, the wah bit was going to, there was drums coming. Can you remember? Dum, 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 yeah. And then we sort of bend all, <laughs> bend all that off and redid it all. And then verse two comes in. It's a bit more kind of just building on what verse two did before. But we've kind of obsessed with like not having this linear structure, I guess. Mm. Is that the right word for it? Whereas yeah. like every section would feel different. And actually, that's not. Maybe play the little drop chorus. Sure. Because that's what it became. Please don't give up on me yet. I know I'll get better. I'm just not better yet. Can you tell I'm trying? Running out of breath. I know. Can you tell I'm trying, running out of breath? And like, it's all I like lyrics that feel like multi meaning. You signed up for this feels very multi-meaning. And that was like that whole chorus being obviously like an emotional thing, but also like a, a song thing, like, please don't give up on me yet. And then like, can you tell I'm trying running out of breathing it because the whole chorus is one long note. So I thought that was fun. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And there are so many different ways of looking at every every line almost. Because as you say, it, it is personal. And as mm. you reveal, some of it is directly personal you know, and also just kind of your thoughts off the top of your head you know like the driver's license thing and everything and, and initially thinking oh you know that's just just you know. funny yeah yeah and then we basically wanted that what was going to be our middle eight in the original version of it which is now the second chorus that was supposed to be like the sort of like the big release mm. thing and then that goes into the outro which is the big cold play moment basically which mm-hmm. is the war bits i think we should hear those in stages so we can see how you did it I mean, there's like a lot more drums that come in in that second chorus. Let me just play just the drum stem. So, I mean, this is the art of, of production and the art of songwriting as well, knowing when you've got something good, but also knowing where it should go. Yes. You know, and, or, and, you know, listening to advice or suggestions like Brian E's, you know, that, oh, you can rearrange this, you can put it somewhere else. And and that's also a recognition that you've got something really good that maybe it is even better than you realise. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, I think a lot, large part of it is like, as I whatever we feel like doing, is like, I, I just thought this was like quite a fun thing to do and just particularly for the end of what we were, you know, when we first wrote it and we kind of put it together, it was like, I was like, mate, do you just want to bash a piano for like 30 minutes? She was like, Yes, I do. And then you end up having like 30, 30 sets of pianos on it, which I'm like all for. And then you get, it just becomes grander because of all the, mm. all the things you add onto it. And I kind of added like 15 layers of acoustics and mm. yeah, all these guitars. So you've got Maze's pianos. I think that's still the original decoy ones. So they've been tuned down. So it's, it's kind of cool. Sounds like thick and heavy. Then there's extra stuff from Livingston, which is just just the offbeat thing. Then what else do we do? There's loads more. Oh, there's more piano here. And then the main synth is back in. Yeah, just like lots of fun little bits, and then 
But yeah, all your drums that kind of on top of it just to fill it out. Lots of layers, basically. Yeah. I was I remember talking about making when I was making the sandwich Joe, and I was talking about how it feels like a real thing in recent history and pop music to be very like minimalist. Yeah. And I was saying, <laughs> to some extent, this I wanted this album to bring back maximalist. <laughs> I just and I was we were listening a lot. I think with other songs that you'll hear it more maybe. But there's I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I'm a big 1989 fan. So is Joe, and that's very maximalist pop. And so is ABBA. Yeah. Um, and so it's like Carly Rae Jepsen. These are all things that I like really love. And I think like you can sort of hear it in some of these songs. There's so much in them, which was in like intentional. I was like, let's make, it's like a big sound. Yeah. But it's, yeah, it feels sort of, it's almost kind of like you're trying to make like a live sound, but it's like. Like building a band. Yeah, probably. it's like building a band, but I, do you know, I, there was no band in any of the well, Particularly for, for the, actually there was a version of these drums that were, that I'd programmed to sound like a live drummer done mm. it and you were like no yeah. it needs to sound it needs to sound like 1989 so it became like, like a, a, a limb drum basically so that digga 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 mm. like sounds really robotic and not human because mm. we yeah. could have gone and done that mm. but we didn't and I think like I make like I'm a singer songwriter and I sort of am that at heart and a lot of this album is that but for this album like there was no I didn't have any urge to like get a band in and I feel yeah. like it was, I was quite anti it. You're like, let's get a drummer. And I was like, no. Yeah, the first um, time we put a drummer on something was when we got my friend Chris to come and play drums on the trying soundtrack that we were doing. Mm. Uh, yeah, and you were like, don't, no, don't, don't want it. No, don't want it. <laughs> but it was actually, you know, it was actually really, really good in the end. But particularly for the record, it was like we didn't actually. I wanted it to, you know, this song at least was done with just myself and Joe. And I didn't, I felt like it needed to stay like that. Mm -hmm. And it does have a big sound. I think it does have a live sound to an extent, but in a sort of different way than yeah. making like a, a band album. Well, of all the things we did, apart from the songs we did with John, mm. there's nobody else playing on it, mm. I don't think. Yeah. Apart from Kirsty with the Strings. Yeah. Which we'll get to. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Maybe we'll stop with this one, but maybe we should hear something else to wrap it up nicely. Sure. So maybe a part of the song from, say, the second chorus or something. Sounds else. good. Yeah. Do you think that I'll grow that's probably it. I guess Ellen was right. Yeah, she usually is. Please don't give up on me yet. I know I'll get better. I'm just not better yet. Can you tell I'm trying? Running out of breath. I know I'll get better. I'm just I feel like there was a lot of, I sing normally very softly. I'm very hesitant to belt or sing anything very loudly. But that, I remember singing that chorus was like a yeah. belting moment for this album. Probably the one of the biggest. Yeah, that's true actually. Yeah. You really open up. Yeah. Like, it's very hard. Yeah. And yet you've got a, a very strong voice. But is belting not part of what you do? Because, I, I mean, mm -hmm. just watching you around the studio today, you're constantly singing. You know, yes. you cannot help yourself. I am always singing. It's so <laughs> annoying. I think it's a taste thing, maybe. I pref I just lean towards softer. But I also think it's because I would also always think of myself as like a writer more than a singer. And I, I tend to write songs with lots of words in them. And it's very like complicated and like often quite kind of quite tricksy, like lots of little syllables and like mm. lots, of lots of corners to it. Yeah. So because of that, I think it's quite conversational. And therefore, I'm 
just less you don't likely. Scream that in someone's ear. No, and also I was like growing up, I wasn't. I love all these artists, but I was never, you know, listening to like Whitney Houston mm. or you know that sort of thing. I was listening to like Simon and Garfunkel or like Taylor Swift or Lily Allen. And I think those artists, it's always sort of less belting, softer, and yeah, more conversational. Yeah, and if you write so many words, you can't really you belt can't them. Belt them. No, you... no, no space. Yeah. Well, yeah, your throat would be done after yeah. one song. Yeah, yeah. There was another point I think you wanted to make as well, Maisie, about the end of this song and and how it reflected and touched on the rest of the album. Yeah, so I was just going to say I felt like it was a good wrap up. Um, this was obviously this is the title track, and. We intended to write the first song on the album, but I wasn't trying to write a title track. And I think that it's kind of cool that, you know, I wrote that verse and then we wrote this whole song and the album didn't have a title before that. There was no title. And then I think I said to my manager, I was like, oh, we've written the um, we've written the opening track. And he said, what's the title? And I said, you signed up for this. And he said, album title, question mark. I think I think I'm remembering that right. And I <laughs> I said, maybe. And then for a long time, for like a few months, I wanted the album title to be, I'm sorry to make it about myself again, but you signed up for this. Because I like a long title. My EP is The Dress Nice for Jacket. It's your baby, but it's your funeral. And I remember the the pool of people that I, I asked in. about it. You were up for I'm it. In. You were up for the long title. My manager was sort of up for it, but he was like, it's too long. And I was like, no, it's not. I was trying to be Fiona Apple. But my manager made the very good point. He was like, Maisie, no one's going to say it. Do you think you're going to be on on the radio and people are going to say, I'm sorry to make it about myself again, but you signed up for this. And I said, that's a valid point. He was like, everyone's going to shorten it. And I was like, no, they're not. He was like, yes, they will. And then he went, um, <laughs> it's kind of funny having that long title. And the title's kind of funny when you say it like that. But do you really want that to be the first thing that anyone says? Because the first thing that anyone's going to say to you about this album then is going to be, well, that title's long. Mm. Um, so then I sort of reflected. I asked my mum. She immediately was like, don't do that long one. That's, she was like, that's the short one's so much better. What are you doing? Like, just do the short one. And then I sort of, I did make the executive decision to make it you sign up for this, which I do think is cool now because I think they actually mean, it's funny, it's the same sentence, but it feels very different. I'm sorry to make it about myself again, but you signed up for this. It's way less confident than you signed up for this. Yeah. And it's still, I think there's a little, there's an element of that title which is sort of like still trying to hide and still trying to be like, oh, you know, it's like, it's still kind of funny. I'm still like a little bit held back. And I think you signed up for this is much more of a statement, much more confident. Um, so, and then I was going to say that was the title. And then it was no one argued. No one had anything to say, which is big, um, <laughs> which is frankly big. And it was never anything else. There was never another one. And that was the title. And that was the end. That's it. Fantastic. And it works so well. And I love the idea that you can just set yourself the challenge right. Today I write an opening song for yes. my album and lo and behold you do. And lo and behold you do. Yeah, fantastic. Doesn't always work like that. <laughs> no, in Maisie World it does. We're going to stick to that. <laughs> yeah. Such confidence and skill. Fantastic. Uh, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be back to talk about I'm Trying mm. next. You may have heard us talk about Tape It before, and if you haven't, then let me fill you in, as they are the sponsor of today's episode with a fantastic offer for you. Tape It is an iPhone recording app made by musicians for musicians. 
Many of our guests on Take Notes, music industry friends and listeners rely on voice notes to record their early ideas. People like the Lumineers, Ezra Collective and Fred again have all shared recordings with us made on voice notes. But what you wouldn't have heard are the long pauses where they're searching for those recordings. We wouldn't want to put you through that. As you can understand, organising and finding the right notes, let alone a specific part, can be a nightmare. Tape It solves all of that voice memo chaos with intuitive labelling features, including automatic instrument detection, markers and collaborative mixtapes, meaning you can share band practices, organise set lists and brainstorm ideas with co-writers and band members. Plus, you can record straight from your lock screen and attach text and photo notes to each recording. One of our favourite features within Tape It Pro is that you can record in stereo using two microphones along with gentler dynamic compression to give a much more natural sound than any of the usual apps. It's a huge upgrade to the microphone and all-round audio quality. It really helps support the podcast whenever you engage with our sponsors. So if Tape It sounds like an app you'd use, then do us a favour. Pause the episode, head to the link in a recent episode show notes, or visit tape.it forward slash tape notes and give Tape It a go. That's tape.it forward slash tape notes. You can download for free or use the promo code tape notes for 50% off Tape It Pro. Thank you. And now on with the show. Did you do it? Honestly, Tape It is fantastic. All of the Tape Notes team members are complete converts. And excitingly, some of our guests have started to use it as well. So I really would recommend checking it out. So the next song we're going to listen to and look at is I'm Trying Not Friends, which is actually the second song on the album. So we're doing it all in order, which is nice. Wow, no, I didn't do that purpose. Yeah, that's <laughs> clever. You've thought all this through. Um, so I guess maybe we should hear the song or yeah. hear a burst of the song and we'll know where we're coming from. to a penny and i've been trying to make a big step forward saw you it was awkward nothing like i thought would happen happened i was so in love and i don't come off in the wash kind of hope it does oh because you're seeing someone pretty and i hate her but so i'll be telling you she's nice on the bus home we were bad but we're gonna be good it didn't work like i thought it would and i resent you just a little if i'm honest but one of us has got to try to keep a promise Well, they're all getting lost in the music then. It's kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, so where did this one begin? So this is lockdown two? Mm-hmm. October, November? No, no, this was January. Was it? No, no, no. Yes, it was. Was it? Yes, yes, it was. I don't think it was. <laughs> it doesn't matter. We, we did a soundtrack for a TV show called Trying. And we started... You're so right. Oh, you're so right. I was we so wrong. I was that. so wrong. We started writing like that with the idea that we had to deliver eight songs to the TV show by Christmas. So right. So this is at the beginning of that process basically so wrong so so we should say i mean so simultaneously as you're working on Maisie peter's debut album Mm -hmm. you get the opportunity to write songs for the soundtrack of a tv show so write another album simultaneously at the same time and you don't say no you you accept this project didn't really think it was going to overlap in the way that it did not that it was an issue, but at the time it was like, oh, we can do that and then we'll mm. park it and then we'll do the album. Yeah. I just think it's so great that you took it on and you're working on two projects at the same time. Yeah, it was fun. Very productive. It was a very productive time. But we were not in the same 
we couldn't be in the same space for I, I can't oh, remember time, how, yeah. it was like two or three weeks that we did it. So what we were doing were trying to write over FaceTime or Zoom, which is like actually we did quite a lot in that, yeah, we did. particularly for the soundtrack. But anyway, I, I would sort of start each day and send May's. I'd sort of make three or four different musical ideas, and see, she would decide whether. Which one she wants to work which on? Which one deemed fit for purpose? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's so many dregs. Yeah, I'm like about. no, no, not that one. <laughs> but that, actually, we mentioned Girls House again, mm. <laughs> again earlier. I sent her two beats on this particular day, and one of them turned into Girls House later and changed quite a lot. But the other one was this, this one. I had this idea originally that I was, like I was obsessed. I was maybe we could do like a song that was like Patter Cake because then people could play it without actually having to play a musical instrument, which is why. The clap layers was the idea. It's actually way too. It's way too complicated. Yeah, it's <laughs> I, so I was like, hard. yeah, because like in the middle eight, right? They you could split it up so one does one layer and then the other does. And I'm like, yeah, that okay. is never going to happen. Thinking like this will never happen, but um, okay. But that was the thing, and yeah, Maisie's publisher Pete refers to this as Maisie's Rosalia moment. It's like Rosalia from Stenning. <laughs> That's so funny. I didn't know that <laughs> Rosalia from Stenning, big. Yeah. yeah. So, so um, I basically sent Maisie a thing which was the. The, Do you the play claps, it? yeah. There's the claps to kick and the bass line, and then the, the piano and the chorus, I think. Yeah, so that's like two clap loops. There's two clap loops that I just found either on Splice or on my sample drive. Right. I can't remember. So you didn't do them? No, I did not know. They sound a bit too nice for me to have done. <laughs> um, and then the bass line is a, a profit, I think. Maybe that profit sounds thing. I can't really remember. And then the piano is literally just piano octaves from. But I basically was like, as simple as possible, two chords, try not to overcomplicate it, and then add more harmonic information to the chorus. And also just like leave enough for Maze to be able to sort of like sing and create over it. Also, the chords are different at the end of the chorus there. And that was kind of it. So Joe sent this to me. And I, so we were writing for Trying, the soundtrack, and I had these notes for the first episode. So I really quickly wrote the first verse and the first chorus. Like, so I literally, it was so quick. I remember being like, okay, done. And then I said it back to Joe, probably within like half an hour. Yes. And I was like, this is the verse and this is the chorus. And writing the soundtrack was interesting because on one hand I was writing in another universe for characters and for a story that already exists, but also because it's me and the way I work, like, there was a lot of myself and my own sort of story and life and character in it. So this first verse, kind of in a weird way, like it was sort of about these characters because in this TV show they did break up. Mm-hmm. But then I was sort of had my own stuff going on at the time and it was sort of felt relevant and, you know, London 2020. And I like nothing that I, nothing like a, don't burn a girl broke up, yeah, it's two a penny. Big step forward, so nothing that I thought would happen, happened, which is true. Like nothing that I thought would happen, happened. And one thing I really like about this first verse is there's a Frank Ocean song. What a rogue. Uh, <laughs> what a rogue. Tidy to, reference. To, from me. But there's a Frank Ocean song called, um, oh, it's run with Earl Sweatshirt. I think it's Super Rich Kids. And he has this verse where he does loads of internal rhymes. We are the nanny mapping daddy, rashing snappy snapping. And then in this first verse, <laughs> the only link I'll ever have with Frank Ocean, it's like <laughs> there's this really cool bit at the end that happened, happened. I was so in love. And that don't come off in the wash, kind of hope it does, though, because you're seeing someone pretty and I hate her gut, so I'll be telling you she's nice on the bus home. It's like, uh-oh, uh-oh, uh-oh. Um, That's making me think we need to hear a rap version of this song. No. This, we do get pretty kind of We get pretty close. Second verse, is, yeah. I have a lot. Yeah, it's a lot of that. This is basically, this song is like, 
my thing. It's like so many lyrics, and I was yeah. like having a the even best the time of my life. Yeah, super wordy as well. Is which is like, oh, super we wordy. Tried, there's so many rhymes. There's so many like little clever bits. Mm. But then the chorus again was really relevant to my life at the time, and I think it's talking about the album. I always say that there's like two themes. It's like a theme of like really heady, romantic, teenage, naive, like dreamy romanticism but then there's also like a thread that kind of comes like an undercurrent of like you know like coming of age and realizing that actually people are not how they seem and life is not fair and things happen that just shouldn't happen and all that kind of thing and i think they like battle each other and this song is it's very much that it feels like kind of immature which i love it's kind of like well that did not go with like we were bad but we're gonna be good and it didn't work like i thought it would and i resent you just a little if i'm honest but some of us have got to try to keep a promise. And I might be bitter and twisted and broken and petty and lying, but at least I'm trying. And I think that was like a very, even though it was written for trying the soundtrack, I think it's actually like a very important lyric for this album. Yes. And I think it's good as well. I Unintentionally. Wrote, yeah. Yeah. And I wrote it on guitar. I was playing guitar. And I was doing it. And then those chords that you hear at the end, which change in that yeah. demo, which you can play in a minute where it goes, I might be bitter and twisted and broken and petty and lying. And it's like a walk down, yeah. which is the most classic Maisie Peters thing in the whole world. Like like doing Lots a minor to a thing, minor, to minor, a minor, one. Yeah, 654. Um, yeah, and like, I was like, and now we're doing a walk down. And Joe was like, okay. Yeah. Yes, we're doing a walk I was down. Like, I just want two chords. Yeah, and I was like, That's no, it. have a walk down. Yeah. But yeah, so. So yeah, Maze started sending me, we do everything on WhatsApp. So it's sort of mm. sent, which is. Why we have a log of everything. Every song that we've ever done is a kind of on WhatsApp. Please don't hack us. Um, <laughs> but like, I because I you can use chat search and find the mm. name of the song, and it's like really handy. But so I would sling stuff. She would send stuff back, but she was playing it off of her laptop, and then singing into her voice memo, like. basically, and then sending me that, and I would line it up and start building the song that that way and then I'd send it back I'd check, do sort of subtle changes with this song actually it was so chaotic because we'd sing it over FaceTime mm-hmm. and then sometimes we'd be like yeah sick like that first verse and that chorus is exactly how it was yeah. when it was written there was nothing that changed nothing. but then second verse in the middle eight which we'll talk about later like I would sing something and then he'd be like mm, it's not quite right and then we'd kind of like FaceTime it and they were like, okay, okay, I'm going to do something different. And yeah. then I go and then I write it and then I come back and, kind of them, and then I send it on voice notes. And- it's such a, like a longer process. I've found with working with artists during the lockdown thing and trying to do the Zoom thing, it's like the amount of songs I've written with people over FaceTime where they haven't vocaled it because, you know, it's like a big thing. So I was like, it doesn't matter because we're going to see each other in like two weeks anyway. So like, let's just get it on voice memo and do the thing. I should probably play some of these. Yeah, you should play things. the voice memos. Um, let me find one. Hang on. <laughs> London 2020, boy and a girl broke up, yeah, it's to a penny, and I've been trying to make a big step forward. So you can hear you, roughly in the background, because like Maze is sort of singing happen, into happen. the end of the I microphone. So in love, and I don't come off in the wash, kind of hope it does, though, because you're seeing someone pretty and I hate her gut, so I'll be telling you she's nice on the bus home. I know we were about, but we're going to be good. It didn't work out like I thought it would, and I resent you just a little if I'm honest, but one of us has got to try and keep a promise and i swore that i'd swallow my pride and you swore you would do better this time we might be bitter and twisted and broken and petty and lying but at least we're trying yeah so and then i get her to double it and then i would sort of send that and i actually built the song in that Mm. in that manner and i was like i think this is not for trying this is like the first thing that we tried to do for trying i was like this doesn't feel like the sound world or the Mm. kind of intention of what 
yeah. what that ended up becoming. And Maisie, sort of classic, whenever we finish something, she's like, yeah, it's okay. Like, I actually sent it to Maisie's manager without, I don't think I told you I did that. I was, because I was like, I want, I think it's good. And I wanted someone else to tell me it was good, especially someone that knows Maisie so well. So that was the first day. So you only mm-hmm. sent Bobby that first verse and that first chorus. Correct. Yeah, because we hadn't written the rest Which of it Which exists, yet. hang on, let me try and find that as well. You can hear it, hear that voice memo, like, mixed in. So that's Maisie's voice memo on top of... Right, so it, we're, we're hearing what she would have been hearing when she recorded the vocals. Correct. So I sent that to Bobby and he was like, oh no, this is really good. Also, I think the voice memo thing is, is the thing. You should just build it on voice memos and not re-record the vocals. Can you remember that? Yeah. And it existed in that manner for a long time until it was like, okay, it's like going to go on the record and we have to re-record it. Right. But there was something to the way that it was recorded and... It's and it's like, still very like compressed on the record. Yes. It's sort of it has that. It's slightly distorted. Yeah. And also all of the harmonies, apart from some in the chorus, are generated from that original voice memo. I was just sort of tuned them to be different notes, and um, so that happened, happened. That stuff on those bits is um, the original voice memo. And that decision to or that realization, no, this isn't for trying. This should be for the record was quite an easy one or an obvious one one that wasn't it was uh, yeah. yeah if you hear the trying soundtrack you can it's like a the sound world that is it exists in is not it's not Rosalia from Stenning yeah yeah it's a, it's a different kind of thing isn't yeah it? yeah um and in trying I mean did that have any impact in just saying I'm trying or just the thoughts that you were thinking you might work be working on was trying called trying at this point it was yes, so it's the second thing. series trying was called trying yeah. so that was sort of the link but then, as you heard, I forgot I did this bit in that take when it was for trying. We're trying. Soundtrack, it was at least we're trying. That was like a kind of more positive spin. Yeah. And then it's so good because then the next day it came back. And that night I wrote a, a second verse, which I'm going to find in a minute, with different lyrics. Yes. And then it became I'm trying. And then that's actually, when you hear it in that context with this song, it's actually kind of, pa- like it's. I feel like it's kind of a little bit passive aggressive. It's well, a little, like yeah. it's actually not how it which sounds Which is also how, what spawned what the mid late became as well. Yes. And I'm just trying to find, <laughs> I've gone, I didn't think the lyrics were good at that point, that first verse and chorus. No. I said, does Jen like the lyrics? Does she yeah. think it's cheesy? This is the it's night after my, the first day. My, my fiance, Jen. I say, you went making her listen now, two sex. I went, okay, you know what would improve it? Going, I might be bitter and petty, but at least I'm trying instead of we're. Um, I said, I think that's less wholesome. Let's hold hands, namaste. <laughs> um, I said, okay, let's finish tomorrow. Oh my God, I sent this at one. Oh, perfect. This is a good segue. I go <laughs> at the 10th of November, 1 a.m. to yeah. Joe. Wrote a second verse, Teehee. Not sure about all of it. Um, and now, should I play it? And I'm so to put on my bread. Might be bitter and twisted and broken and petty and lying. Three shots, seven drops, one for being lost and alone in your early 20s One for being obsessed with someone who puts you secondary One for calling guys with guitars in a cemetery Just me, okay, now you grew your hair So take it over me and always fucking grow the hair up And that I just like your photo and I shouldn't care now Think I'm spiraling that Ferris at the fairground So I go, way, and you grew Way too many words, so much, I go, and you grew your hair out Swear they get over me and always fucking grow their hair out Which I, I still like and it's true yeah. But um, anyway, I say, wrote a second verse to he, not sure about all of it. And then we we FaceTimed and I was like, ah, that's not the right second verse. Then, well, let me find it, hang on. And this is one of my favourite sections of lyric on this album, the second verse. Here we go, verse two. 
Three shots, lemon drops, one for being lost and alone in your early twenties. One for being obsessed with someone who puts you secondary. One for calling guys with guitars in a cemetery. Just me, okay, if I'm being frank. I want a sorry, but I'll settle for a handshake. Cause I'm the baby, but I'm still gonna be the bigger man. Babe, so many blank slates, I could build a whole fucking house. And that lyric of so many blank slates, I could build a whole fucking house. I actually had, I'd done a different song on my own, which was like a really sad song. But I thought the lyric was really good and I knew I was never going to use the song, but I remember being like, oh, that's kind of clever. Mm-hmm. So then just pulled her in yeah. to this song. And that's interesting because the impression we get now mm. is that this burst of language just mm. comes straight to the page. But does it? I mean, obviously, maybe it doesn't if you're taking lyrics from an older song, especially with the delivery too. It's like it's just pouring out of Maisie Peters. It is. I think <laughs> it was once you're in the second verse, and that's very much it's my life. That's what's going on. That's what was happening at the time. And yeah, I think that I remember talk, being on FaceTime, like figuring out the end of that second verse because it's so like sort of bitty and like yeah. complicated. We had to like, it was a real like work. So it was actually quite mathematical because it yeah. was so like the syllables were so important. But it must have been, it would have been fairly like, you know, f- What's the word I'm looking for? Fluid? Yeah. Immediate? I mean, it was pre- yeah, must have been of, pretty immediate. I think like that's kind of weird, no? You can just come up with all those words. Well, it's a great nowhere. talent. I mean, are you pen and paper? Are you writing this all down? Or are you just not. wandering around <laughs> just I'm speaking? a typer. Oh, ti- okay. I'm too impatient right. for pen and paper, so I'm like tapping away. Yeah. But on a on a computer, not on yes. a phone or, or something. Both. Or, or both. You know, uh, yeah. Probably both at the time. Not indiscriminate. No, we yeah. had a Google Doc. And yeah, so we we did that. And then we'd have to do the middle eight. So this is where I found something that was good. So I'd send Joe a middle eight idea. And then I go, confusion station. I think I'm going to try something else. It's too complex. But this was at one point a middle eight. At least I'm trying. My bad for thinking we'd be friends at the end of all that. Should have known you wouldn't be that sad. Guess I wasn't ever very important. Glad I went through all that emotional torment. For thinking we'd be friends at the end of all that. Should have known you wouldn't be that sad. Guess I wasn't ever very important. Glad I went through all that emotional torment. My bad. And I was trying to like make it loop. I think. Should have known you wouldn't be that sad. Guess I wasn't ever very important. I went through all that emotional tour. Doesn't work. But that was the thing for a while. Was it was like a trying to like come back to that idea of doing the clap thing, getting crowds in half to do like crowd interaction stuff at gigs. So I was like, wouldn't it be cool if there was like a kind of call and response thing? And my idea was a lot worse. Like I remember trying to sing you something and you're like, mm, no, I'll do, I've got it. I'll do it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I, was like, I was like, yeah, fine. Um, but that's the, like the not friends thing. It's because you can hear, imagine people like screaming that thing as yeah. Maisie sort of like meanders around it with loads of words. And then you're not friends. Yeah, that's like the whole idea. And it gets bigger and bigger as the middle eight gets on. Do you want to play the middle eight? Yeah, I should, shouldn't I? Yeah, because that's good as well. Because that's good as well. At least I'm trying. Not friends. No, we're somewhere in between. Because you're awful and I miss you and I killed you in my dream last night. Yeah, so that's the whole thing of the two claps. There's one loop. And then they're both coming. It doesn't work. Nobody's ever going to be able to learn those things. I can't do it. Because when I asked you on the train why you hurt me and you couldn't really actually explain, I cried. 
yeah, so there's like more gang vocals come in on every, every bit, the idea being we're trying to goose the goose the crowd into You should play all of the in that middle eight, all those like backing vocals. Like the shouting and the you haven't changed at all. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Do you remember those? Not friends. I guess yeah, it gets more and more raucous mm. as time goes on. Last night. Oh, no, this is not. Got friends. Some people think I'm funny, baby. Don't look so surprised. We think. Not friends. Yeah, just gets more and more not deranged friends. as time goes on. I cried. Then I told you it was like cool. You haven't changed at all. Yeah. But yeah, like I said, the harmonies, like so this is the third harmony in the in the middle eight, is all based off of that original voice memo. Nice Which I think is like just adds another bit of insanity to the whole thing. So when it sounds like the wheels are coming off the whole time. Yeah. But yeah, so we had that and we've sort of made it as a voice memo version. And yeah, it existed. Everyone's really excited about it. There was actually like a really big push to finish it in December. It was the sort of last thing that we did in here. And then we actually got sent to another producer to do a few bits on it called Jimmy Stack, who's based in the US. He was at the time working on Bon Iver's record. So it was like, obviously we were like, cool, yeah. Get that crack. <laughs> so like some of the, my original bass wasn't as sort of like weirdly tuny as the one that he added. And there's like a couple of extra bits of drum programming and things that he added. And that was kind of it. it felt, this one felt really easy. It was just, it just came together in a non straightforward way, I'd say, because we did it in the way that existed or sort of over voice memos yeah yeah i mean and it shows it's such an effective method this way of communicating with voice memos and yeah. facetime and and whatsapp um and rising to the occasion but also i guess maybe it's it works because hey you're talented <laughs> you know that you're able to just come out with this stuff Maisie. you make it seem so easy to come out with you know something that is actually you know could people could end up studying this stuff you know breaking down those internal rhymes and all that clever stuff that you're doing that you just kind of seem to come out with that would be fun (laughs) thank you um well maybe we should round off by hearing a finished version of which section of the song maybe that final chorus yeah yeah nice let's do it because when i asked you on the train why you hurt me and you couldn't really actually explain i cried then i told you it was cool god you haven't changed at all we were bad, but we're gonna be good. It didn't work like I thought it would. And I resent you just a little, if I'm honest. But one of us has got to try to keep a promise. And I swore that I'd swallow my pride. And you swore you would do better this time. Well, I might be bitter and twisted and broken and petty and lying. And you might be awful like all of the time. Yeah, it's almost inspiring. But at least I'm trying. At least I'm trying. Will everybody be trying to clap along to that in the end? I hope so. Will we all be facing defeat? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I can't do it. It's great. I've Um, done it a lot of times, I still can't do it. (laughs) And you created it. Yeah. (laughs) It was an accident. Fantastic. It seems so simple, though, doesn't it? It seems like, oh, yeah, I could clap along to that. I think there's something, yeah, particularly when we were doing those, um, those days of writing when we were doing I was making things and really not thinking about it that initial idea probably took me about 10 minutes I didn't really like pour over it at all mm-hmm. I was just like this is a good idea bang 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 because I th- like you know 80% of me was like well Maze won't like this one she'll just choose another one anyway uh, but, <laughs> but like and sometimes I would send something and she'd be like I like that guitar sound but like not anything else and that would launch stuff into anything else so like it's just I don't know yeah I like this song a lot and I like the the, the genesis of it was like 
just like twitting about on the keyboard and then so like, do you like this and then that was the kind of thing because sometimes we spend you know two days getting the start of the song going and mm. <laughs> mm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well we're going to take a quick break and we'll be back to look at love him i don't So the next song we're going to look at is Love Him, I Don't. We've moved a few songs further down the track listing. Um, what can you tell us about this? How did this start? And also, I mean, this compared to I'm Trying and to you signed up for this, this sounds quite different. Yes, this is track five. I think I said this is my favourite song on this album, and it always has been since I did it. I remember saying that at the time. Um, so it was me and Joe and a guy called John Green, who's an amazing writer and player, and he writes a lot in Nashville, and it was when I went to Suffolk for writing this album and I was playing, staying in this place called Partridge Lodge, which is sort of this like old house, which we set up like a makeshift studio in. Um, I'd worked with John a lot and Joe a lot, but we'd never all worked together. And you'd worked with John, yes. but we'd never teamed up. No. So they came down to stay in Partridge Lodge for th- three nights. And it's funny because I remember I'd already had uh, two guys called Brad and Jez and um, a woman called Frances come. You guys are my third guests. Yeah. And I'd written a lot. We'd already written, we didn't know at the time, but Volcano, Talking to Strangers, Brooklyn, are all three songs on this album that I'd already done. And It's kind of mad, actually, when you say it like that. Yeah, and there was also, there's like, I wrote a lot, with even with Brad and Jez, and I think me and Brad and Jez wrote 10 songs. Me and Sophie wrote four songs. Um, and that was all in probably like less than a week. Yeah, I think you said you were doing like we were three doing, or four a day with yeah. Brad and Jez. So Joe and John were next and they arrived and it's a really beautiful, it's very out of the way thing. And I remember all of us laughing. We were like, feels really kind of like magical and cool and it's such a great thing and we were like oh it's gonna be funny if we do all those really shit songs <laughs> i remember being like oh it'd be awkward anyway then it's a lot of pressure a lot of pre- it was a bit because you i felt it at the time as well it's like you're there you're writing your album like you want it to go well and the atmosphere feels really special so you you want to like serve that but this was the first song that we wrote us, yeah. us three yes it was yeah and there was a piano in the uh partridge lodge but it was really lucky like it wasn't set up to be a music studio they just happened to have a piano in there and john's amazing at piano so he started playing these chords Mm -hmm. and the chorus is the first thing that came of this song and it goes no no it's coming up roses kicking up snow we had those two lines i went guys this is what it is kicking up roses kicking up snow fox in (laughs) fox in the garden digging up bones yeah and (laughs) i I didn't again like you don't you don't know we were all like yeah. <laughs> Everyone was Absolutely like, smashed it. Fucking yes. That's it, Maisie. You've nailed it. You're like, I mean, it's so weird, yeah. it's good. It's so weird, it's good. Um, trying to tell yourself that. And I, as I said at the time, I don't think I knew entirely what we were singing about yet. Um, so I was going, Fox in the Garden, digging up bones. And we all were like, yeah, perfect. And then I was like, oh, I don't know, guys. And everyone was like, no, we got it. <laughs> it's that. We, 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 we sat was, on Yeah, we had we it for like half an hour, I would say. We were like, we fucking smashed this. And I was like... I felt like it was in there for a lot long, longer than that. Like, maybe a, like a day. No, 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 no. Really? No, it was like a okay. few hours. Maybe a few hours. Sure. It was that. And then we were like, I was like, I don't know about this. So then I sat, I remember sitting at the piano and playing the chords and being like, it's coming up roses, kicking up snow. What a long winter, what a bad joke. And then we were like, that, okay, that's better. No more Fox in the Garden. So Fox in the Garden is gone. But I, I think about it all the time. It's such a good example <laughs> of when you're like, imagine if we just kept it. Because um, I think I'm fairly good at scrapping and doing it again. Editing, I'm yeah. not, yeah, I'm good at editing myself. And I'm not, I don't, in the beginning of the process, I don't get too sentimental. I think a lot of people do. They're really attached to what they mm-hmm. did at first. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty good at being like, no, it can be better. It can be better. And luckily we did that. 
because Fox in the Garden was not it. Um, it's not. It's not. <laughs> Arguably, it. should be. Arguably, maybe for live. Yeah, yeah, live version. You'll be singing some versions of that. Fox in the Garden. Um, <laughs> anyway, so then there was what a long winter, what a bad joke. I was a shady when we held hands. Everyone else can have him, but I won't. Which is nice. It's like held hands. Everyone else can. Another rhyme for everybody. Just point it out. But I just like to point them out. Hands and can. Everyone hands and can. And then I remember, I really remember being sat there and like it was, that was a total like stream of consciousness of being like, and I remember being like, guys, okay, what if it's like a kind of garbled, like almost like Yoda thing? Like, and I remember singing like, love him, I don't love him, I won't love him, I did. Oh man. Yeah, that was yeah. really good. And me and John were like, <laughs> yes, <laughs> keep going, keep going. Did you record it? Did you record it? <laughs> no, and we didn't, which is no. funny. We did not record it. So I remember doing that. Being like, love him, I don't love him, I won't love him, I did. For a minute, but I'm finished because I've learned. Loving him hurts, loving him don't work, so love him, I don't. Um, and then we were, I think we were all like pretty pleased as <laughs> with the chorus. We were like, that's really good. And then there was a conversation. I remember John, we were still figuring out what the song was about in a way. And you guys were like, you know, maybe it's not a song being like, you know, someone else was bad and maybe it's you grew apart and maybe you wish you loved them, but you don't. And I was like, no, it's not that. <laughs> I was like, no, it's not. <laughs> I was like, no. And we kind of talked about it for a while. And I remember being like, I get it, guys. I get it. But I, it just, it needs, it can't be that. It needs to be a very different sentiment. Mm -hmm. And it was. And now do I feel we should play some things. Yeah. Yes. Let's hear some master. I could see a bloodbath coming, playing checkers as the flat was flooding. It's a strong opening line. At one point, it was track two on the album, but at last minute, we changed it. It felt too early. But I dug my heels in. Got really good at underwater breathing Guess that was my stubborn season Better, shoulda known, shoulda known better Baby, it's sad you were bad in the bones So I just went home Now it's coming up roses, kicking up snow Bottles in the garden This is quite nice when we when we when we made it. It didn't like it's got bigger and more more fleshed out since we did it. But actually, all the ideas for where the production went were were wow. kind of there. Like that word that sort of is in the first verse. That was always the Do thing. You want to play it. Yes, I should play it. Thank you. There's a plugin called Keyscape that I use a lot, and the default pad is just a sine wave pad that I just think sounds really good when you start. So you remember? There, was, there was that, and then it was was it a Nashville guitar? Yeah, Nashville tune guitar. Nashville tune guitar, which John brought. So you have like, this is the whirly over the top of it. Do you have the guitar? The, oh, there's a drum. Which I think I play. You did. And then these piano pings come in. And that will all be stuff from what we recorded on the day. Yeah. 
but yeah, it was kind of it didn't really change that much sound world wise from compared to some other songs that we've done on this record. It was as as it was. There was something like quite good in the air when we were making. Yeah, was this the postal service one? Yeah, yeah. That was more like second I chorus, I guess. Yeah. By postal service one, you mean like the band postal service? Well, it's not really. Doesn't sound like a postal yeah. service song. But the, but I was like, there's like a. Said so the district sleeps alone tonight. It's, there's like a, a fizzy bass in it, and I was like, that's got to be it. I remember I added it, and you and John were like, thank you. <laughs> John was like, thank God. <laughs> oh my God, that's so good. Um, let me find it. They're not a band you hear mentioned much these days, Postal Service. They should be mentioned way more. Okay, interesting. Here are some alternate lyrics for the first verse, which I've just found. Definitely not as good as what we had. So I think we always had, I could see a bloodbath coming. And then I went, so a couple months ago, the songs stopped coming. A couple months ago, the raps were running. Do you remember that? Then there's also... There was a fish tank thing. We wanted, like, there was a red brick fish tank. Sure, because that's good for fish, because you can see through red bricks. Yeah, good. There was batten down the windows, drinking. Like, this is what my Google Doc looks like. It's kind of fun. Um, I, like, start things, and I'm like, no, clubbing. Just the word clubbing. That's all I wanted there. Um, Drinking. Really, everybody else was. Yeah, anyway, and then that's all the the works, which is very... Oh, you know why this is so tidy? It's because I had to send them off for... Oh, album the, liner um, notes. Album I was about to say, this is very tidy for me. <laughs> so the sort of postal service thing that I was I keep bleating on about, I, I made this beat basically for the second chorus. And for some reason that, to my head, is postal service. Which I don't think actually does sound like that, much like postal service. But I was like that with the bass on top. Sounds. In contrast to, you know, in contrast to the other folky elements that you got on top. I, like, I quite like sort of like sneaking bits in that you yeah. wouldn't expect in a, in a sort of like more acoustic song. Yeah. So we jumped ahead, but to continue the story of the song. So we did the first verse and the first chorus. Um, we had lunch. <laughs> I love how you can remember yeah. this. I remember I it all remember. so well. I can't remember bloody Oh thing. my God, another, oh, there's such an important part to the story of Not Told. Probably after writing, maybe this was in the lunch break, I got suddenly an influx of text. Suddenly my phone blew up. I looked down, oh, you know what I'm going to say? Yeah. Um, and Taylor Swift had announced Folklore was coming out that day. And yeah. I'm the biggest Taylor Swift fan in the world, literally ever in the world. She's my biggest inspiration. I know every single song I could probably like screaming. win a trivia. I literally screamed because it was uh, this is when no one knew anything. And this was like the start of the folklore, the Evermore era. I thought, and like, I thought someone had died. Yeah, it was. But literally, I cannot explain to you how many texts it was like. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And I was like, what the fuck? Like everyone, and like half of it wasn't even words. It was like. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> um, anyway, so then that happened, which I think is cool for many reasons. But I actually think the love of my don't sounds very folklore but folklore wasn't out yet no so and we did all of this song before folklore was out like yes so then that text came through we then came back we hadn't heard any of folklore um and then like we did the second verse met you through my favorite cousin good i know we actually said we said a lot of that in the kitchen when we're making lunch yeah lighting cigarettes off an oven fell for you and got a bad concussion should have known better better should have known should have known better i also remember singing that 
better should have known, should have known better. And you and John were like, yeah. Yes. Yeah, like, I don't know what you're doing, but like, sit. Triplet, and then I tried Ariana to change Grande the lyric shit. and you were like, no, like, stop it. Yeah. So then we did that. Then we did the sort of, we changed it a little bit and we did like a different part for the second half, second verse. Also, that second half of the second verse is pure John Green chords. That weird harmony. You should get them. Yeah, I should. It's the third chord, so not this one. This one here. Like it opens out. But with the, all the O's on top as well. Yeah, that's um, very, very, very John, very Whoa. John Green. Oh yeah, I probably have, have those. those. Yeah. Have a look. So that's literally just you Enjoy. got you two singing like screaming into the abyss. Text me, text me. <laughs> no way. That's funny. I don't even remember doing that. Text me. But the let me try and find some of the piano. So we, what we also did when we were sort of demoing this up, we would. Um, literally just put a mic into the room and there was loads of stuff around. So like some of the piano bits that you hear are, are like the more sort of uh, ornamental stuff is like, is John literally just kind of like trying the piano, but I'm recording the corner of the room or something. Like, so all of that stuff. It's a nice recording though, isn't it? Yeah. Because it's really atmospheric. Yeah. I think it was literally one of these mics on SM7 just kind of poking into the middle of the room. And just mm. cranking it and just yeah we so, just wanted to get there was a, there was something very there's two songs in this album that were born out of the four days that we were there and it was it did feel like a very like i don't know i just wanted to capture as much of the space as possible and do as much as we could there rather than just be like well I'll just around the program piano and then we'll work it out yeah mm. it, there's something really good there we got like a lot of like ambiency mm. percussiony stuff I was recording loads of stuff on my phone, particularly in another song that we're not going to talk about, but this is another song called Outdoor Pool that we did there. Yeah. Yes. I think it's interesting with this song in, in terms of the, the other two songs we've heard already um, on this episode is, is that they kind of different sides of the Maisie Peters thing, the sound, but also different avenues that you could have pursued because it's interesting watching your development over the last few years and, and the choices that you've made because I think there might have been a suggestion that, oh, well, you could go much more down this route know down this mm. more folky acoustic singer songwriter type route mm. um that you still have you know it's still very much a part of you and it's interesting because when i first heard love him i don't you know i was thinking about ben howard or bonnie ver or that kind of sound world that this ties in with um which is one other aspect of of what you're all about in a way yeah but then balancing the two together is a pretty tricky proposition but also the, the one of the linking things is the way that you've recorded Maisie's voice. Yes. So, you know, I was listening back to some of your earlier releases, Maisie, before coming here, um, and it sounds much more on that kind of organic scale of things and keeping it right, record it in the room, and yeah. you know, we'll get a bit of the atmosphere in the air and, and stuff like that. And yet now it sounds so big, but it's still big on, on all of the songs. Mm -hmm. But I, I was intrigued listening to the whole record, how you get Maisie's vocal recorded, because... In contrast to your earlier releases, it sounds, it's still you, but it's different. I think again. there's there's a thing of, I find this with a lot of singers that I work with. Uh, me and me have been working together like three and a half years now, maybe. Like the first day we ever met, we we did a song called Enough For You, which is a, like a live take. And sometimes I go back and listen to that song and I'm like, I don't think, obviously it sounds like Maisie, but I don't think it sounds like the same person. I think like 
how voices evolve over time i find really fascinating because it's like yeah even stuff we were saying this when we were going back and we like there's a song called tough act that closes the record that we finished in february 2020 originally and then we came back to we revisited it for the album and Maisie's A&R Paul was like maybe you should reach out the vocal and we like we'd like for the vocal and we did it a certain way but actually when we went back and listened to it like actually your voice has changed quite a lot in what like 11 months mm. I find that really fascinating mm. yeah and also how like a you know philosophically how like a piece of recorded music is a snapshot of that time and how how they were sounding at that particular moment in time I guess but um, I guess a lot of the vocals we did in this room it was using uh I'm using this Austrian audio mic at the minute. I don't know the the model number. <laughs> 818, I think it is. Yeah, I've just been using that quite a lot recently. I go through like a Chandler preamp into a tube tech compressor and go in through there. But there's some vocals in the record that... Actually, maybe we did all the vocals in here. I can't remember. We did a lot of, we did yeah. a lot of vocals in but here. I thought something that people would be interested in is how you make the voice sound so present within the mix. Sure. Um, so that Send it to a really good it, mixer. Yeah. <laughs> I'm joking, I'm joking. <laughs> but it is like, you know, Maisie's there in front of us yeah. singing straight at us, you know. That, um, to be fair, that was like a, when we were doing Tough Act originally, we spent a lot of time getting that vocal to sit in the way that it does now. And obviously that's kind of, I mean, I'm genuinely, I think it's the key part is Maisie and how, the way that she sings is because it's not just on the songs that I've produced for her that, mm. that you know, I think it's fairly consistent through the, I think through the record very clear i always my, yeah. my constant note i don't ever have that many mixed notes but my constant note is like bring the vocals like up and forward yeah which is yeah some people don't really like that but i guess from my perspective like i work around the vocal i don't try and shoehorn it in everything from the arrangement to the thing we get the vocal in as soon as possible there'll be something to sing to that, so that the artist can sort of feel against what it is but it won't be like the full finished thing because you yeah the vocal needs to inform everything so it's kind of like making sure the arrangement supports that and yeah, make sure it's the loudest thing and everything else supports it. Otherwise, that's not, that's what we're trying to achieve, basically. I think, I yeah. think most artists I work with, that's the MO, I think. Yeah. And yet people don't always achieve it. I, I think that sometimes, and especially maybe people listening to this, you know, how do you get the vocal to sound so like that? So, so. Compress the snot out of it. <laughs> um, yeah. Lots of Is it that simple? Do you, do you know what I mean? I mean, I, of course, know, yeah. I hear lots of different. Um, recordings and and um, so often I think well the vocal should be louder in that you yeah it would be much the song would have more impact if they could make that vocal louder yeah is it a decision is that an aesthetic choice sometimes which it sometimes is or do they not just have the mm-hmm. knowledge to make it yeah, brighter better so. bigger? yeah I don't know I guess I just do it by instinct now but um, yeah compression is a large part of it I track through compression then probably compress it another two times before it hits another bus that is compressed yeah. again and again also you know i'm very lucky that we all three songs that we've spoken about were mixed by dan grecht who's an absolutely astounding mixer he is very very good at, his, at what he does mm. and like and other songs we did were sent to spike who is again like amazing and like mm. chenzo is just very blessed with like getting to send my raggedy <laughs> thing off <laughs> to so they can to so can finish it. But like my my yeah, my like I said, just kind of I don't know. Start with the vocal, make sure it's the loudest thing. Mm. And, and so when you're recording it, do you record it as dry as possible to add effects later? Or um, um, some te- there'll be like a little bit of reverb for people to track to. Some people, Maze is really unfussy. 
It doesn't match. I don't she, doesn't care. Want, she doesn't literally doesn't I care. just want to do it. Um but some people want it bone dry. I want it really loud. Really I think loud I have day. I think it's gonna be a uh, imminent problem with my hearing because <laughs> I want it so loud. And who was I with the other day? I was with somebody and they were they put my headphones on and they were like, Oh my god, like are you okay? <laughs> um so that's a bit worrying, but for a later date. Yeah, don't worry about that one. Right no, now. it's fine. <laughs> yeah. And when you want it loud in your headphones, is it your voice you want to hear loud or do you want to hear the whole thing, the whole mix? Um I think both, but my probably my voice as well. I've, I'm always like, can that be louder, please? Yeah. Um, but yeah, like uh, the first person I ever worked with was a guy called Brad um, Ellis, who I worked with on the Zabble. We did Volcano and Talking to Strangers, and he was my first ever session when Big I was legend. like 15. And one of my like when I was there, you know, and I'd never done a session before, and one of the first few things we sort of spoke about when we were in session, he was like, oh, you should take off one of your headphones, like have the left yeah. on but the right off. Um, he's an he's an amazing human being. He's like it's so pitchy when you don't do that, amazing. So now I do it every single time. So there's like it's like a fun tip. Yes. Like record with. I think lots of people do it, but we actually both have one off. Yeah, look, we're doing it right now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, record with one of your headphones off because you pitch better. Yeah, that is a good tip. Yeah. But yeah, basically, John, just compress the snot out of it and, wor- <laughs> and let the mixer worry about it. Like, <laughs> doesn't matter if it's distorting; they can sort it out. Yeah, it's like you, you make it sound so simple, but it sounds well, so I think effective. It's, just, it's no. just like, I don't know. I feel like everyone should be enjoying themselves when they're recording, even if it's like quite a sad, sad song. Mm. This is not for me to tell someone how they're, you know. And like, I've had this with Dan before. He's like, you distorted the vocals. I was like, yeah, but they were having a nice time, so I'm not going to get them to redo it. Or like, they just, you know, we just have to deal with it afterwards. I'm like less attached to the more technical side of things than I used to be, I think. Yeah, I also have good people around me that can sort it. Yeah, I just sort of send it to my engineer, Matt. I'm like, Matt, please fix it. <laughs> I mean, it's funny, isn't it? Because you know, one of the first things I said to you just at the start of this was that, oh, the album sounds so big. Every song sounds so big. I mean, it and it sounds like such a simplistic description. And yet, to me, I can't think of a better word to describe it because for me, it really cuts through, and it means that the listener really hears every word you say, um, Maisie. You know, you can really pick up on those words and obviously you've got a lot of words and you, you want them to be heard you want people to get all the different things that you're trying to get across now that's part of the point uh, yeah, yeah, of the sure. songs yeah. and so it becomes really important that it it sounds so big but also that you know the voice is so up front because it means it really cuts through so if the radio is you know way over the other side of the room or ever you still yeah. notice the song and people are immediately drawn into it and you know start engaging with it yeah but yeah I think the vocal is the thing that primarily on the music that I, I make and I'm involved in. But the vocal is the most important thing. You shouldn't be worried too much about, about whether you kick drums louder than the vocal. That's yeah. basically it. Turn yeah. it up, everything else can sit underneath it. Fascinating. But it's a juggling act to get that right, I think. Yeah. Especially, say, as a producer, Joe, mm-hmm. and getting lost in the music and getting, yeah. oh, actually, I mean, you highlight these little sounds mm-hmm. in the sessions. You know, and uh, so often I think, wow, you know, I could just listen to that, you yeah. know, and that sounds amazing. Yeah, but that's like, you know, one has to pop one's ego and just be like, well, that's not what mm. the thing's about, is it? I yeah. think. Anyway. No yeah. instrumental in a Maze Peter song. <laughs> no instrument. That's true, actually. No guitar solos. No, no guitar solos no. in a Maze Peter song. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, Love Him, I Don't. Um, could we hear the master? And then we can sure. just ask the, the questions that we always like to ask people. Absolutely. Lighting cigarettes off in oven Fell for you and got a bad concussion Should've better known, should've known better What a state, what a waste of your twenties Couple lies, couple times, that's plenty Oh, you're bad in the past 
fox in the garden digging up the bunny. Yeah, <laughs> you heard it here first. <laughs> Excellent. Thanks so much for sharing that stuff. That's really great. Um, it's amazing to hear these alternate lyrics uh, to these songs. Amazing. It's brilliant. Um, we, as you know, Joe, um, because you've been on Tape Notes before, but we like to ask a couple of questions of people that we ask everybody who comes cool. on. One is about kit or equipment or you know, if there's a particular thing that you like to use or need to use or swear by? Um, well, I am not the recorder of the room, but if I was working my, by myself, I just have an SM7 set up in my bedroom. And for this making this album, there was a Nashville guitar in quite a lot of the rooms. Mm-hmm. Um, not, I don't have one, but I guess uh, John had one. Jez has, yeah, Jez yeah. had one. Ed had one. We actually had to take it out of some songs because we got a bit uh, Nashville guitar happy. Yeah. Um, it's in this one. Yeah, it's in this yeah. one. But I really that was really useful for me. Um, so I'm going to say those two things. Yeah, mm, that's quite simple. I mean, compared to the um, last time we came here, yeah. Joe, have you moved on or or do you, you know? What did I say last time? I think I said this, wise? this SM7. Mm. Um, I'd say actually for, for this for Maisie's album in particular it would be that Martin guitar, which is completely fucked now because I bought it. I bought it. Broke in the car on the way up it's to Suffolk. Really, it's all cracked and there's. I don't really want to get it. I should get it fixed because otherwise it completely fall apart. But actually, of the seven songs that we did together, we worked out the only song that was born in this room and Maisie wasn't even here was I'm Trying. Everything else has done it elsewhere. We just did like two at Decoy. We did a couple of at Ed's house. We did a couple in Partridge Lodge. Mm-hmm. Most of it was like me driving somewhere, sticking that in the back of my car with my computer. And that's what was the genesis for a lot of the things. Mm-hmm. So I'd say that, Knocked up Martin guitar. Yeah, that cost yeah. me about seven hundred pounds. <laughs> but this room, you ended mm-hmm. up redoing the vocals in this room and all the prod stuff. Yeah, yeah. we right. did do a lot in this room. We just we didn't did, yeah. start anything. Yeah, in this Genesis room. was not. But I think we re-recorded yeah. everything in this room. Yes, like I resang everything. I resang "Boy," which is a song on this album. I think five times and three times in one week. Mm-hmm. That was fun. <laughs> that was fun. That was good. Yeah, that was all. That was all using that mic that I mentioned earlier. This Austrian mm-hmm. audio thing. Yeah. We yeah. sang it. We sang the Which whole is, thing, and then we sang the whole thing again the next day yeah. in a semitone lower. That was a good moment for me. Yeah, <laughs> but the, yeah, this—I don't know. The Austrian, this mic is not an expensive mic. For, you know, relatively speaking, it's not yeah. like it's not an old forty-seven or something, which I also have, but I never use because it always breaks. And I think this—the RRP on this is seven or eight hundred pounds. Yeah, it's reliable. Sounds good. Yeah, have a good singer. Yeah, that's pretty key, isn't it? That's the main one. Yeah, <laughs> get it right at the source. <laughs> The other question we always like to ask people is about advice and whether you have received or whether you have learned something over the years that you would give as a piece of advice to people coming through. Um, I mean, maybe I'll start with Joe. I said something about farting last time, didn't I? <laughs> I think I said don't fart in the control room. Yeah, that was that was quite good, I thought. That's a good one. No. Um, don't eat smelly food in the control room. No, I don't know. Uh, I don't, I don't, yeah, I I'll stick with that. Yeah. Don't eat smelly food. Is or it? ask your co-conspirator if it's okay to eat a tuna baguette. It's a good one. <laughs> good and I, I did wonder, Maisie, you know, in some ways, you know, you're 21 now, as you've charted, both in, in song and not on the map. Mm-hmm. So, um, but, I mean, there were references to being 15 on the record. You know, you, you started very young. And, um, I mean, you even were telling us about that gig that you played with. Orla and Dodie and all ridiculously young at that point. You were probably the youngest of them. I'd oh, yeah. Call. I think I literally was 16. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, the advice that question is takes on a different perspective, I think, because you're still really young. Yes. But you've also got five years under your belt of lots of ups and downs. And in some ways, you know, it seems to me that the album kind of 
refers to some of those ups and downs. I mean, a lot of it might be relationships, but a lot of it might be formed by other kinds of relationship that you've had over that time. That, that as you were saying, you know, that idea that you've learned that um, you know, life isn't that straightforward or that people aren't that straightforward or aren't that truthful or honest or you know, all that kind of stuff. Yes, I would say so. I think, yeah, I'm obviously I'm very young, I'm 21, but I've been like working in music and writing with people and I've been managed since I was 15. And I've like really grown up making music, making a lot of music, which is really cool to look back on. And as for advice, I think that's such a good question. I'm trying to work out which, what I want to focus on. I feel like the primary thing is that you have to, I think you have to like really love the music that you make. Otherwise, you, I think it's really hard to do it because, you know, working music or making music as, as your job is so all-encompassing. Like I would argue like that is my entire life voluntarily chosen. Um, but I, I love like I love the music that I make and I love this album. And I always joke that this is my favorite ever album, um, which is a big sentence because um, <laughs> really rumors exist. But I argue that this is my favorite ever album. But I I'm always quick to ask. I think it's a funny question to ask other artists. And I don't know if they know. I think it says a lot about someone when you ask another artist. They'll be like, oh, I'm putting out an EP. And I'm like, is it good? And I think it like says a lot about someone what they answer that with and i think the most like sustainable artists or the, the people that are gonna do the best things and work for the longest and have the best time doing it are the people who go yes it's really fucking good mm-hmm. and i think that you need to think that about the music that you make sometimes that's difficult isn't it it is because you've I, got to make some yes. rubbish to get to the point where you're happy with it you do and that's fine as well like also you can think you love something and then two weeks later you're like oh something like that's fine and that's so you know i'm not saying i love everything i've ever done like I've done, I've written hundreds and hundreds of songs that will never come out that I think are fine. But it's about, I guess, like when you're committing to something, be it a song or an album or an EP or whatever it is you're putting out. I think once you're in that stage and when you're making it, you should love it. Even if you then don't, even if in after that hour, you're like, oh no, okay, I was just excited in that hour. It's, it's fine. When you're doing it, you need to think that it's the best thing that could have ever been done. And then it probably won't be, but I think you need to think that. And is that a barometer then? Is that a way of knowing that you're on the right track if you have that emotional response to something? Yeah, I th- well, I think it's the way of, of knowing that you should be doing it. Well, I don't know. Day to day is like, I think you yeah. should be finding the joy in what you're trying to yeah. make. Even if it's like tough. Even yeah. if it's like you're trying to like, you're going, yeah, you're going on quite a heavy song. Mm. Like, I think there's still some joy you can find. That's such a, like, old man thing to say. No, but, I, like, f- finding that you should find something to enjoy about what you're doing every day. Otherwise, what the fuck is what the point? What are you doing? Why are you doing it? Yeah. yeah. And how will anyone else love it if you don't yeah. love it? That last sentence summed it all up, didn't it? There you go. That's a soundbite for you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for asking us, Pat Joe. Great to be here with you, Maisie. Great to have this this continuity. You know, it's almost like mm-hmm. last time we were here with Dodie and Maisie arrived. We kind of you, she, yeah, I know. She handed you the baton, and what then a great. However that's so many months true. later, we we pick that up yeah, and, nice. and we get to do this episode. Yeah, it's coming. We're going to close with one more selection from the album, just a a little taste. And I think you've earmarked a song. You've actually referred to it a few times, which is the closing song on the album as a tough act, the Mm -hmm. the one that we should close with. And is there anything else that people should know about this before we play tough act? We wrote it with Francis. Yes. And what this was one of the oldest songs on the album. I think it was done. uh, It was was supposed to come out last year originally. Yes. It was originally really 
a lot more stripped back. Yeah. It was just a piano. My friend James Wyatt came to play piano on it. And then our friend Kirsty did strings on it. Kirsty Mangan mm. did a string arrangement. We went to the pool and did it with a quintet, I think. Yeah. And it was like nothing on it. It was just that piano strings and Maisie's vocal. And then we've added to it since. And I, we did it. We didn't put it out. And then I had a, we were talking about the album and I remember being on the tube and being like, oh my God, Tough Act should close the album because then the last lyric of the last song on my first album is, you are one tough act to follow. And I thought that was good. And I texted Joe, I was like, Joe, get how good this is. And then it was. Yep. There you go. Fantastic. And we're going to hear that now. Here it is. Joe, Maisie, thank you so much. Thank, thank you. you for having us. And this is Tough Act. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the episode. If you have a moment, do tell your friends and leave us a review. It all really helps. Thanks to those of you who have already donated to the show. I'm just one part of the team that brings you tape notes. It relies on your support. If you'd like to donate, please head to our website. Once again, thanks for listening. Until next time, goodbye. Like a birthday candle, the pictures on the mantle aren't true. Everybody knows that a breakup is better when there's someone to hate But you are my favorite way to stay up And I'd say that still I know the reasons Took a couple tries to see them But now everything is through It's you I wanna call though When all I've known of Is something that I should